Welcome to the Out What Now podcast. I'm your host, Megs Pulvermacher, and each week I'll be bringing you stories, interviews, and insightful conversations with queer folks, much like yourself, about how they've navigated the ups and downs of their coming out journeys so you can do the same while learning to love yourself more fully and live more boldly and authentically. Wherever you are in your coming out journey, know that you're right where you're supposed to be, you're loved, and we're so excited to be on the journey with you. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Out What Now podcast super pumped to be hanging with you for another week, another episode, and another awesome conversation with an awfully inspiring queer human. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. My guest today is none other than Jenna Slaughter, whose pronouns are they, them. And one of the really cool things about Jenna, which you'll gather quite quickly as we get into this conversation, is how well they embrace fluidity which we also talk about, isn't something that just naturally comes, but eventually they got there and they're really, really good at it. And you can kind of see that in the conversation from where they were when we recorded this, which was, I believe, actually in July and where they are now in the way they show up, in the way that they put out content in their offerings, in the folks that they're serving and how that has kind of evolved over the past few months since we actually had this conversation. But it all makes sense because that's what the whole damn thing is about. And so when Jenna does their intro in the conversation, you'll notice they're talking about being a self-love coach, which isn't so different from a lot of the things they're delivering now, but they've recently changed their title, which is super cool, to a holistic embodiment coach in addition to being a speaker, hosting their own podcast called The Unlearning Podcast. Make sure you go check that out. I believe that's coming back for another season in the new year. And also a fierce, a fierce LGBTQ plus mental health activist. And so Jenna covers a lot of ground, a lot of bases. They refuse to choose, which is something that we talk about a lot in the conversation. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, and the the fluidity thing is something that we've really talked about a lot this season. And I think that's really reflective of kind of the way that we evolve in the journey of coming out and learning more about ourselves and coming more into what we really, what authenticity really looks like for us, because it can change in any moment, which I think makes it a topic worth revisiting as much as we damn well please. So a really cool conversation that we had about that. We also talk a lot about energetic boundaries, the process of unlearning, the way we've been socialized, the things that we've come to believe based on our experiences throughout our lifetime. And we also have a cool conversation about the different functions of coaches and therapists and what that has looked like for each of us, what Jenna's coaching looks like, and all of the different ways you can get in touch with them and the offers that they have and all of the cool things they have going on. So if you're not already following Jenna on Instagram, you're going to want to do that. You can find them at It's Jenna Slaughter. It'll also be linked in the show notes, and you can see all of their offerings at the link that is posted in the show notes as well. So make sure you go check that out. They have some awesome free resources, some great containers for accountability and one-on-one coaching. And uh, Totally Not Meditation is a really cool program they put together in the spring, summer. And so make sure you go check all that out. It's some really, really awesome resources. And I think you'll find them super helpful for your own journey. And I can pretty much guarantee you'll be entertained as well, because there isn't any energy quite like, uh, I'll call it Genergy, if you will. So I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Without further ado, I will kick you over to the
All right, everybody, we're here with the one and only Jenna Slaughter. Welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to give you the floor just a little bit to give us kind of a, a brief snapshot of who Jenna Slaughter is. Mm-hmm. What goes down at Jenna Slaughter headquarters? You know? Yeah. My CEO, Bill. Um, yeah. There's <laughs> been a lot of stuff that I have done and played with this last year. I really started to embody that, you know, business and serving, like it's all very much so a game as far as what feels good, what is needed in the world and what works. And so I've kind of thrown a bunch of different things at the wall. And right now where I am at, I'm a self-love coach. I primarily, that's my like primary focus, my primary bread and butter. I help perfectionists and people pleasers with self-sabotage, perfectionism, like learning how to like learn and grow in a kind, compassionate way. Um, That's really my, my primary stuff. I do one-on-one work as well as I have my group coaching program, Totally Not Meditation. I also started doing some speaking this past year, and that has been a really cool jam to be able to go impact lives on a larger scale and, you know, put together presentations that are going to light people up and inspire them to take action from a kind, compassionate place. Um, So coaching, speaking. Um, I also have a podcast. I have the unlearning podcast where we are healing anxiety and we are unlearning conditioning. Oh, I'm so excited to get into to all the good stuff because really from, I've seen you do a lot of different kinds of work. I've listened to your podcast. I've seen you speak. I see you coach and I feel like you're just so clutch in helping people get rid of the underlying shit that's going to allow them to then go do whatever it is they want to do, whatever they're meant to do, and kind of figure out what that is, which is pretty dope. I mean, what's more impactful than that? Yeah, it's it's been a really, ugh, it's so beautiful when I am in a space that I have I have the, the permission to put on that coaching hat and say, hey, I see you and here's a load of empathy and also a load of understanding because have you looked at this from a social analysis standpoint? That's like where I live and some, a word that I've started to really appreciate is like personal development with a social analysis lens. So like we can't talk about our like limitations without talking about our trauma and without talking about how we are socialized in society and all of this kind of stuff we can rebel against. I mean, I rebel against basically any box that somebody tries to put me in naturally. I'm a non-binary pansexual. I refuse to choose (laughs) and we can continue to do that, but we still need to recognize that we do still live in a world with many boxes. We live in a capitalistic society where it's highly patriarchal based on a little bit, a lot of bit of colonialism, genocide, and you know, some, some stuff we need to really work on and pull out root and stem. So yeah, that's, that's really where I like take my work from. And I'm like, let's, let's see where we're at. And then let's zoom out and see all of the background. Yes. Should we get into the lightning round? I think we should. I think we should. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Here we go. Um, we'll start with some easy ones. How old are you? Uh, 28, I think. Correct. <laughs> Cool. I stopped keeping track after like 22. So now I have to do math. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a number. It just is what it is. Uh, Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, Small, small, small town, like very small town, Wisconsin, like down the street from Amish. My parents hosted an Amish phone booth at the end of our driveway country. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, yeah, very conservative, like where I would like go out for like a walk and stuff. And I mean, it's out in the country. So like, nobody's going to see you. But I remember being like in my teens and it's like, you know, 85, 90 degrees. So I'm wearing, you know, the shorts that are made for teenage girls, which are not very long. Mm-hmm. They're shorts. Some booty, 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 booties. <laughs> and, um, walking the dogs 
And then there's, you know, Amish come out of the, the, the barn. And then one of the dudes, he goes, he goes back into the barn and then, and I'm still walking across their giant, like lawn thing alongside of the, the road and he comes out with like five of them and they're just standing there. Cause I mean, they're seeing full legs, mm. full legs. And that was like a big deal for them. I was just you like, see this their little, beard starting to curl. Yeah. This little carrot on a stick. You know, <laughs> so yes, very small town, like less than 500 people. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up in Amish country as well, um, further south in Wisconsin um, than you were. But um, I don't think I've ever seen a like an Amish phone booth or like a an opera. I didn't realize that was a thing, but it makes sense because they can you know. use them, just not on their property, I think is the, the, the dealio. So they have like a landline thing basically at the end of my parents' driveway and they come by in their little horses and buggies and tie them across the street and they go call whoever they need to call to get their work done. Love it. Yeah. Which if you also get- met some really good desserts from their wives. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, if you can get your hands on some Amish candy, some Amish furniture and, uh, baked are- goods. And baked goods. Yeah. Like the, uh, the bread, I feel like you can buy the dough and do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely wonderful. That sounds like a, a great place to grow up refusing to choose. Yes. Um, <laughs> where do you live now? I'm right outside of Portland, Oregon now. So mm. I moved out here after graduation in my little corporate job, which was nice. Cause they moved me all the way out here. Yes. Love yes. that. I've never been there, but I've heard wonderful things and that they have good beer out there. Really good beer, really good food scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where would you say is your happy place? Mm. In the forest, mm. like big pine trees, like just put me on a trail somewhere with some pine trees and some probably some critters running around and I will be a little happy person. Yes. Are you a literal tree hugger? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Love. I'm like that person that I will go, <laughs> I will like go out and like touch the trees and be like, I'm one with the trees or like, I'll like sit there and I like intentionally like count the trees and acknowledge each of them. And then like go through like to each of the ferns and the plants. It's a fascinating mm-hmm. exercise because you realize just how much life there is around you and mm-hmm. how much there is connected because after I count the trees, then we have the ferns and we have probably the bugs under the ferns. Like it just like kind of keeps going and going. I'm a literal tree hugger next. Oh, I love that. And I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that makes total sense. That's why, I mean, you're so grounded. That's, that's your shit. Um, let's stay maybe in the woo-woo corner a little bit of all of the ways that you can analyze a personality, make sense of how you are, how you're wired, etc. What is the theory, like human design, Enneagram, your Zodiac, whatever, what is the one that you align with most? Mm, I would say now is human design mm. for sure. Um, but I started with my birth chart and got much more familiar with that before getting into human design. So I want to call that one out too. Yeah, Enneagram, yeah, yeah. I, um, eh. what's your Enneagram? I don't know. <laughs> no, okay. I think it's like a seven, eight or a nine. One of those numbers. <laughs> I'm a seven, which just, I know it means enthusiast. Oh, there you go. So you mentioned earlier that you're a projector. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Briefly. So um, as a projector, um, that's like a person, it's like a type. And so we've got, um, we primarily live in a world with like 80% generators and they are just, they're people that they are, they have a defined sacral energy. Their life force is just always pumping and they can go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, as a projector, we are much more, uh, we have an undefined like life force. So it's we come and we go. Like I have these highs where I'm like, I'm creating all of the things. And then I get into these like low points where I'm like, I have no ideas and everything stinks. (laughs) And then we ride back out. So, um, 
yeah, part of it is that like undefined sacral energy. And the other part is the strategy is to wait for the invitation. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's why it's especially impactful when, um, I'm in spaces where I haven't been invited to, and they're saying, I really appreciate the way that you see the world. And I invite you to speak up that like allows me to just be in the flow and essence of who I am as a person, which is a projector. Right on. Love that. Um, what is your most used emoji? Um, it is the, um, smiley with the hearts outside of it. You have to be the fourth interview I've done in a row where that is the answer. Oh, that's cute. You, you, you interview some good people then. I think so. I think there are some very telling common themes here. I'm in surrounding myself with good, good peeps (laughs) or something. Um, what is your favorite account to follow on social media? It would be um, Meg's The Connector. I Correct. Think. Uh-huh. <laughs> what is it really? <laughs> Excuse me. I love, 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 love Jeffrey Marsh. Oh, that's my answer as well. They are just such a light and I really appreciate the way that they navigate their boundaries and um, like emotional energy and putting it into the people that don't already understand because I think we have a real opportunity and we we've gotten so by um what's the word so polarized in our society that it's like either you're with me or you're against me Mm. and I think that there is there's some gray area there where we can bring people over to our side but they've got to understand which means using our emotional energy sometimes absolutely what is your favorite way to celebrate something be that a win a milestone an event Mm, I I love a good dance like I will and I've started doing it now because I have a little time capsule and I found that other people really resonate with it when I do it is like, I will put on my camera and I will just like let it all out and just really encapsulate it. So when it comes to, t- when you're talking about like your money relationship, um, something that we can really do to shift that is seeping ourselves in gratitude when we have a, when we like have money that's coming in seeping in gratitude because that aligns us with more of the same. Beautiful. What is the best thing you've ever eaten? Ooh, best thing I've ever eaten would have to be my brother's spaghetti and meatballs, Mm. homemade pasta, homemade meatballs, homemade sauce, top to bottom. The best dish I've ever had. Wow. Delicious. I accept your invitation. (laughs) When you, well, when you come out here, you know, because you've been meaning to, Indeed. you just come out here and slide on in. We'll make some spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. We'll go hang out in the forest and count trees. I'll teach you how to hug them. Yeah. I can great. Axe and throw my ax at them. Oh, there you go. Don't that's, them a, down. that's a different energy. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all have our thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the worst advice you've ever received? Hmm. Can I, can I shift this a little bit? Because the thing that came to my head isn't exactly the worst, but I felt like the worst at the time. And now I think it's not the worst advice at all. Go for it. Okay. When I was in high school, I really identified with my grades. Like, you know, if I had a 4.0 that like, you know, the world was going to open up for me, it was going to be my oyster. I identified with it. Mm -hmm. And when I was having, I was getting a B in some class, I don't even remember at this point, but I was having struggles with it. And my aunt at the time was very just like, you know what they call a doctor that gets bees, the doctor. And it's just like, it literally does not matter is what she said. And I just like that crushed me at the time because it wasn't a, it wasn't really supportive of like, Hey, I see you really care about this. Let's figure out, you know, what can we do to get it wasn't the best, most supportive thing to say, but it did pull me out of that. Like, Oh, wait, 
what do you, what do you mean? And it's true. Doctors who've got bees are still doctors. They really are. They mm-hmm. really are. I called myself in grad school, queen of the AB because I got so many ABs and I'm still a school psychologist. And you're great. So And great. And so good at it. So yeah. good at it. I can't wait mm-hmm. to never do it again. All right. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? Mm. And it could be anybody. Anybody you want. Give me Glennon Doyle. Mm. Yes, we can Give do hard things. Glennon, Glennon Doyle. Or bring me Stacey Abrams. That woman is just an absolute powerhouse and like the hero that we didn't deserve, but we need and we love. What's something you can talk about for hours? Just one thing. I know you you can you can riff for hours on a lot of things, but whatever can, your favorite one is. Um probably anything spirituality or like intuitive. Mm. I could just go down rabbit holes with because it's connected to like everything. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. There's always a loophole. What is your favorite thing about being queer? I think the freedom that it provides because I was just such a shell of a human trying to be like, you know, if this, then this, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to wear this thing. I'm supposed to date people like this. I'm supposed to have kids at this point in time and blah, 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 blah. And doing, in doing so, there's really not a way to win in all of those boxes because it's, you can be too big and too small at the same time. You can have too, you know, too many curves and not enough curves at the same time. Like it, you can't win. And so being queer for me gave me the ability to set those things aside and be like, what do I, what, what feels good and to go based off of that? Not off of what I was told or what I saw, hmm. what's in my heart instead. Yeah. And you refuse to choose. I do refuse to choose. You can't make me. (laughs) That is a a great segue into the present, coming into present day, Jenna. What has that journey looked like from coming out to getting more clarity on how your identity is continuously evolving? What does that look like? So I... I kind of knew to myself in the late parts of high school and the early parts of college, I knew to myself, but it was my, my own deep, dark secret, which I wasn't necessarily a deep, dark secret. It was more of a minor inconvenience to be managed in my mind because I was like, I, I'm, I'm bisexual. I, I like men enough. I'm just marry a man. I we're just we'll just never have to tell people about the other half, and that'll so be great. easy. So yeah. easy peasy, right? Like and happily ever after. That apparently, that's not a good strategy, and uh, suppressing real parts of yourself for years at a time kind of have a little bit of long term effects. And it kind of came to a head in my my later part of my college years where I started to then, you know, I started to like tell my very, very close friends and you know how it kind of starts like training wheels where you tell somebody that you feel is really safe. So then that way you can kind of get the the repetitions in without having to do the big, bad mom and dad talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was out to them and I had, um, the, person who I ended up having my first queer relationship with walked into a party one day. And this was where it all came to a head because I swear to you, that was the first time I felt like my whole reality shift. Like it just felt like this big door was closing and the little game that I was playing with myself as far about like, oh, I'm straight with funny quotes. I'm straight. I just like to kiss girls sometimes. I just like (laughs) to kiss them a lot when I'm drunk. (laughs) A lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot. I just have confusing relationships with my best friends. It's 
it's fine, but I'm straight. Um, it just closed the door. It slammed the door on that. I felt everything in my stomach fall into my butt. And I just was like, this is the end. Like, I literally thought like, this is the end for me. Cause this person is like shining, like gold glitter around them. Just like this beautiful androgynous, like I just wanted to lick their face. Mm-hmm. And that was just not going to cal- like calculate out. I came out to my parents a week and a half later. Mm. I just oh. came out like a wrecking ball. Like it was just like, I went from just my like very best friends to like, fuck it. Let's do it live. Um, which that's a thing that that's, that is a strategy. It, it is, is one a way strategy to, to take. I'm an Aries. I am very action oriented. So once I like decide it's very hard for me to be like, to feel inauthentic. Mm. So when it was like, I'm, I'm dating a person that they, they are, they are now a man, they are a trans man, but at the time they were identifying as an, and operating as a um, female at the time. Um, it was, I, I couldn't be dating them and be like talking to my mom on the daily on the phone and being like, yeah, I was with my friend so-and-so that makes my whole soul light up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just I can't so leave happens. that part out. Yeah, that's a huge energy suck to do kind of the double life compartmentalized life thing. It's exhausting. Yeah, exactly. It was entirely exhausting. My parents, they they took it pretty okay, actually. My dad was, um, also my stepdad, um, was very supportive. He, like, I don't know if he, like, knew before I told him or what, but, like, he just, like, came up to me and, like, kind of put his arm around me and was like, what's her name? And I just was like... Aww. like, cause I wasn't telling him that like, I was dating somebody. I was telling him that like, Hey, you know how I like boys. I also like girls. Mm. Um, and he was just so very supportive. My mom was concerned about whether or not she was going to still have grandbabies, which is yeah. a whole other thing to unpack. But yeah, overall mm-hmm. it went decently. Lovely. And did it kind of stay there? Did it have they been continuously supportive? Have there been peaks and valleys there? What's happened like? Um, I think they 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 try. They they definitely try, and they they do the best that they can. Uh, the the gender stuff is a lot harder than mm. the sexuality stuff. That was that seemed like that they were able to take that pretty in stride, but for my mom using, you know, they, them with me, Mm -hmm. it happened like twice in a whole weekend that she was here so much so that I was like, I think I might start calling you like Kaylee or something. And she was like, and I was like, well, I mean, you keep saying she, her, I, I, I mean, it might speed up the process. (laughs) And she was like, it's rude if you do it on purpose. And I was like, but if you're not doing the work and you're not improving and it's continuing to happen and you're not changing it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I'll gender, let you finish that sentence. <laughs> gender seems like in explaining it to other people, particularly parents or people that this is a, feels like a very big out there concept too. If gender and identity is so seems so much less concrete than like I'm coming out to you about my sexuality and that means this is the type of person that I might be dating. This is who I'm like having sex with or like those kinds of things. It's it seems so much harder for people to wrap their brains around and there's a lot of resistance to it. True. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's more nebulous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's easier to say this is who I like to sleep with than like this is why I like to wear clothes that represent me in this way, and I like to show up in X way, or and I like to have like a certain like body posture when I'm feeling certain ways. Like, I think it's harder for people 
and with within coming out as non-binary, I think there's a, a plethora of experiences and I am definitely not a like trying to speak for the entire trans experience in any way. Um, but being, being non-binary and being like, I, I'm pretty fluid. Like I, sometimes I'm, and like today I'm feeling a bit more masculine and I've got my, you know, I've got my cool flannel thingy. I've got my like snapback and I'm just like, I'm in more of a like masculine energy today, but tomorrow that might change. And that's a lot harder for a brain to comprehend when it's had a lot of the same, a lot of the same, a lot of the same for decades. And now people that are non-binary, it is safer for us to be out. And so, and we are out and proud and we're doing a lot less of trying to fit into those boxes. So I think for some people, not only is it nebulous, but it also can feel like a, a train running off the tracks because mm-hmm. the binary is, is simple. If you're a boy, you do this. If you're a girl, you do this. And you just stay on that track and just don't ask questions. Yes. And now we're all like, I don't even like this tree. I don't like where it's going. And I would (laughs) like to choose the bike path next. Thanks. (laughs) 100%. 100%. I just, I can't even imagine a world where you were conforming to any binary ever. (laughs) But <laughs> I'm going to send you some pictures of long hair, Jenna. Um, I, I played the part very well. I just want to say I, I played the preppy white bread, white girl very well. I'll send you some pics for when you're, you're promoting this episode so people can really, really know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can see the glow up. The evolution. Sure. Yes. Um, Within yourself and coming to that space or getting into identifying more clearly where you land gender wise, what was that like from the, when you decided to be like, Hey, I'm queer to, Mm -hmm. Hey, gender stuff, non-binary. Yeah. So, you know, What's interesting is, so when I came out originally and the, the backdrop here is my first queer relationship, the person I was dating, um, would call me like a baby gay regularly that, and especially in a way to like subdue my feelings or wants, needs and whatnot. And they also were very biphobic in the way that they're, um, worried that I was going to wake up one day and I'm sure anybody that is bisexual or pansexual has heard this. If you're just going to wake up one day and you're just going to want to be with men again, and you're not going to like me anymore, which then as a desire to try to show them that my, you know, my, my feelings were true. I doubled down and I was like, I am a lesbian. I am a lesbian. I don't like men. And I mean, truly at the time it was me realizing that I like men in certain circumstances and I like women across circumstances. So there was a bit of that that was happening. Um, and a lot of like me erasing my identity and the real relationships that I've had with men that I have enjoyed, um, for somebody else's benefit. So I dived into being lesbian because I was in such a, a small town too. The, 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 what you see is a very small section of lesbian culture, you know, the carabiners, you got like the, you know, the more mask butch type, because it's, it's like a flagging it's like, Hey, I am gay. Are you cool. Let's hang out. Yeah. It's like shining your light to each other. It's like, Hey, you, me. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Let's hang out. Let's be friends. Um, so I think part of it was leaning into that for someone else's benefit. Part of it was when I cut my hair, I had access to this masculinity that I never truly had access to before. Mm Um, because it was like my hair always kind of like subdued and really feminized everything else. So I was able to swing super mask for a while. And then like, I kind of, I was like, oh, this is great. And I like this. But when you live in that and you're like playing with your gender more so you realize like, oh, there are, there are pieces of this that I really, really like. I'm going to take those with me always. There are pieces of this that I'm like, 
meh, I'm glad I tried it, but I, I don't really care. Um, and so I started to swing back towards the feminine and I swung hard and mm. I was like, again, playing with the bits and pieces as the pendulum swung. I was like, what of this do I like? And what of it do I not? And then when I was sitting there with all of these pieces in front of me that made my heart sing from both sides, I realized I refuse to choose. <laughs> I like them both. Thank you. The circumstances and the energy and stuff is going to change, but I like them both, both please. Thank you. And that was the point that I really had kind of decided that I was like, I don't feel like a woman per se. Like I know that I, I pass as one. I know that, that I was socialized as one and that definitely plays into my trauma and how I exist. However, it just doesn't fit me. I am so more expansive. I am multifaceted. I am so much more than that label puts on me that I was like, yeah, I'm non-binary, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I came out, I think, last year in the fall. So, I mean, it's a pretty decently new thing publicly, but it's been something that I've come around to uh, for quite some time. Yeah, it's... I know that you you talk about all kinds of things on the unlearning podcast which everyone should go download links in the show notes but um there's so much unlearning that has to happen in order to then learn to trust yourself and what you experience and even lead with any amount of curiosity to get to the root of who actually am I and what actually does feel good and work for me and yeah. all of that. So how, I know you're a, a brain nerd and all of that stuff, but how did you get to a space where you started to do unlearning and you started to lead with curiosity and be able to get into that? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with um, figuring out where our trauma and our limiting beliefs lie by figuring out where our comfort zone starts and stops. So we can look at that with um, non-judgment and be like, here's where it's at um, and, and that's okay. But we can also look at it and be like, why is it here specifically? And get and getting curious with that. And so I started to target some really unprocessed traumas and um, some a lot of internalized beliefs about who I was and how I was supposed to show up, you know, like I was a tomboy growing up. Like I, when I wasn't, you know, feminine enough, I wasn't meek enough. I wasn't mild enough. Like I was always, I'm always loud and out there and kind of in, in your face. And that really turned some people off because I mean, I'm a lot baby, but <laughs> when I'm in the right space, it's a fucking magical little pill. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Mm -mm. Oh yeah. It came from like un unpacking traumas and being like, okay, here's this belief that I have that like what I have to say isn't worthy. Okay. Where did that come from? And then being like, how old was I when I started thinking this? Oh, now there's a specific memory that's coming up. Oh, and getting to the real root of it. So mm -hmm. I can shift it to a belief that is not rooted in my unworthiness. And that's really what it comes down to is what, where, where's my comfort zone? Why is it there? And um, how we can work with it to unlearn those traumas that are like deep as fuck. Word, deep as fuck. Yeah. Yes. It's not for the light of heart. You mm -hmm. know, the work that I do is not something where you can be like, okay, I'm going to give a couple thousand dollars to Jenna and I'm going to just be fixed. Mm. Like the people that work with me that really have massive transformations are the people that are willing to do the journaling work outside of calls. They are taking advantage of the texting and the voice support. They are, you know, using their toolbox that I give them in Google drive. Like they are, they're not just having these calls with me every week or every other week. They are having these calls and they are alchemizing these mm -hmm. calls in between. Yeah. Yeah. Your ass is about to do some work. And it's going to act, like truly change the trajectory of your life uh, and the quality of it and 
touch every aspect of your life. But yeah, the the work, the the tears, the anger, like all of that shit is very real when you're getting into a, a coaching relationship like that, for sure. 100%. Mm. And I think it's so important that you pick a coach that you your, your values align with and that you can be vulnerable with and trust that they will hold a safe space for you and find the answers that are right for you, not the answers that are right for them. Right. Yeah. Is that kind of when you got into unpacking those different elements of trauma and limiting beliefs, was that in like a therapeutic setting? Was that with a particular coach you had or how did you start with that? I started in therapy. I started in therapy and, um, I actually stopped drinking cold Turkey in my senior year of college because, um, my therapist thought I had a dependency on alcohol. And I said, no, I don't. And she said, bet. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to not drink for the next two weeks. And I'm going to show you that that's not the problem. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Or they know anyway. (laughs) Yep. 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 It was. And, um, so that's the, the, the things that came up in that period of time. And it ended up being a couple months span where I was just like cold Turkey because I was running away from and trying to put salve on, on these wounds. Every night I was putting salve on these wounds. And when I stopped putting salve on them, the wounds started to fester and hurt. And I was like, wow, why does this wound hurt? And so, yeah, that was really how it got started was taking off the, the coping mechanisms that weren't actually helping me. Mm-hmm. And then being like, ow, <laughs> Ah. (laughs) Ah. and then getting the help to facilitate through that then from there I did a lot of work with myself just like reading tons of self-help books like learning how to communicate my feelings in stressful situations I learned that I was an empath and that was why things were so big and huge for me is because I was feeling not just for myself but for other people and so reading just lots of books on how to set those energetic boundaries and how to how to hold space for somebody else and to hold space for myself. Right on. So kind of a combination. Yeah. And and I think that's really what it is, is you kind of figure out, you know, there are elements of all these different things you can do. You can do a lot of self-study. There's a lot of benefit to being in a, to having a therapeutic relationship with a therapist, a mental health specifically trained licensed person there's a lot of benefit to coaching relationships i mean i've been i've done therapy i uh, have done a ton of uh, study of psychology obviously and all of those things and my coaching relationships with coaches that i've had have been probably for me, the most impactful. And it's been nutrition coaches, it's been life coaches, it's been business coaches, because because it's just, I don't know, I think the way that I'm wired, perhaps, or perhaps. the way that um, those relationships just feel so much closer and kind of like you were talking about, people who can hold safe space for you, those have just maybe felt safer for me than therapeutic, truly therapeutic ones, I suppose. I think it's coaching and versus therapy is so, so very interesting to me. And I think part of what you're hitting on is because with therapists, their job is to be a blank slate Mm -hmm. and the overall direction is looking back um, and trying to reprocess things a coach, you are so much more able to see yourself in them because they likely have been on a similar path as you. And that may be playing into why you are, you felt, felt so much closer is because I mean, they were able to share things with you. Like, Hey, when I had this problem, Mm -hmm. a couple strategies I used were X, Y, Z. A therapist is going to be so much less likely to do that. So, I mean, that's part of it. Absolutely. And then also coaching, like we do, I do a lot of like inner child work, a lot of that kind of reprocessing and unlearning of things. <clears throat> but that said, our primary focus is on moving 
what, what's coming in the future and how are we aligning with those things and how are, how is what we are doing in the healing realm going to help us in the, the other, other direction, like in the future, gosh, that's the word I was looking for in the work that you do with folks and you've done one-on-one you've had, uh, groups of people go through totally not meditation. And you've had a lot of different ways that you're serving different people. What are some of the maybe common thread changes or transformations that you've been able to help facilitate for people and how it's impacted their lives? Mm. I think one of the commonalities is self-trust is that people leave my program understanding so much more of what is their internal intuition voice and what is their ego voice that's trying to keep them small and safe. And like, what is their, you know, trauma? Like, what are those voices? People have a lot better of an understanding with that and can be like, okay, I can trust this little intuition. So I think there's that piece. And then the other piece is having more compassion for themselves. Since I work with perfectionists a lot of the time and people that either are end up burning out or they ride right above that burnout because they're just trying to serve everyone else and they serve themselves last, they figure out that they can work less and that is necessary for them to be at their best. Um, Do you, as far as the, the type of person you serve, if they're listening right now, wondering, am I the type of person who would benefit from working with Jenna? Do you serve um, primarily entrepreneurs, kind of anyone out there trying to get something done or like who is the person that you're trying to help? Mm. I would encourage you if this at all is kind of pulling at you a little bit, I would encourage you to go check out my Instagram, check out my website. I have a couple free resources on there for you to download and just feel it out and see if my values align with yours. And if, if this personal development from a social analysis standpoint jives with you, then this is for you. Um, as much as I niche into like people pleasing tendencies, perfectionist tendency tendencies, I have a, a real mixture between entrepreneurs and wannapreneurs and people that are just doing personal work. I, I truly have a combination. Um, that said, can I plug my, my new container? I wish you would. <gasps> Yay. Okay. <laughs> I'm beta testing right now, a six month one-on-one program all about compassionate accountability and goal management. So for background, I have a literal degree in entrepreneurship. I love like brainstorming being like, okay, what's the minimum viable product that we need? Let's gamify it. Like, like, how are we going to align all of these things? That's my shit. And I love that a lot. So between that and then like making really heart forward, like juicy aligned goals that are with your values and your highest vision, like between those two things, I'm like putting that into a container. So, So you would get 30 minutes with me every week instead of one hour, every two, And then we still have the text, the voice support, and it's just really focused on how are we moving things forward? What feels really good? And how are we getting closer to that high vision? That's the shit. That is the shit. shit. One thing that I know Jenna can help literally anyone do is to do that heart forward, action forward stuff without getting overwhelmed. Like it's not going to feel like too much. You got to do the work, but it's that, that micro level Mm -hmm. of stuff of action, like the messy action, the little things that is, I don't know, in anything that I've tried to do in my life to make it better in any way from like my health, my business, my relationships, money, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been the little tiny changes that have made the biggest difference. And so having someone there that you can hit up like every week and you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to be there to help you kind of monitor that would be pretty dope. So do it. 
And I'm not going to give you like, I'm not going to be here like being like, this is a specific strategy that you need to do. Like, we're going to figure out what really works for you. And yeah, I love what you said there, Megs, because it is all about momentum. Like, it's mm-hmm. all about like, how can we do the most micro level of shit? But if that micro level of shit is m- aligning us closer to where we want to go, that's, that's some stuff worth doing. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's all, it's like, it's behaviors and action over outcomes, right? Because a lot Mm -hmm. of the way that people tend to measure success or if they're on the right track is, does the number match what I, the goal I set or does Mm -hmm. whatever, where it's like, if you can just do the behaviors consistently, the outcomes are going to take care of themselves and you're probably going to smash any goal you would set for yourself anyway. So, right. um, That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Um, Excellent. And you said uh, Instagram is the best place to get a hold of you, mm-hmm. right? Slide into those DMs. Yeah, slide into those DMs. Come hang out. It is a fun time. Yes, it's Jenna Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Unlearning Podcast on Instagram, jennaslaughter.com. That is the case. I've got the heart forward goal setting workbook, which is like a nine, I think it's like a nine page PDF that helps you get in line with what your values are, what your priorities are, like what, what your goals are that actually feel good, not what goals that capitalism has bestowed upon you. Um, so that is free. That's in the link in my bio. And I totally encourage you to go download it. Um, my email list is chef's kiss. I hate email lists. I don't want to be on one. And so if anybody trusts me with their email, I'm just going to send them loads of loving and um, resources and just like be like, hey, here's these things that are going on. Mm. So I make it super value packed. So go get get that. Get a little love in your inbox. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Excellent. All right. My favorite question. Okay. If I were to purchase you a billboard, and you could put anything on it that you want, what would it say? Mm. I, I think I would put on it that you are already enough. Capitalism is lying to you. Whoa. I love that. <laughs> so intense. But there are, I mean, there really are no follow-up questions. No, <laughs> it's just that, that's, that's facts, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story, your awesomeness. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone that has been listening. I hope that this has brightened your day and helped you feel seen if even just a little. Thank you for listening. That's what's up. All right. That's all we have for this week. Make sure you catch us back here next week for another episode. And until then, keep it queer out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Out What Now podcast today. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you could take the time to leave a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone who could use the message you heard in today's episode, please, please, please share it with them so that we can get this message out to as many people as possible. Thanks so much for being you and keep it queer out there. Yeah.